And you are very welcome to Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. How the bleeding hell are you? Are you in good form? It is the 14th of September. It is 2021, the year of our Lord. Got a very good guest for you. Matt Landman will be with me. He will be with me in hour two of the programme. Before that, though, lots for you and me to chew over on, well, this programme. Thanks for joining me, as usual. You're listening to the saviour of the independent media. It's your Richie Allen. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yes, the man behind the excellent film Frank and Skies, Matt Landman, will be with me a little bit later on in the programme. There is a sequel in the pipeline. Frankenskies 2 will be out soon enough. We'll talk with Matt. We'll talk to him about that and much more besides in, a, in an extended conversation in the second hour. You know by now, but I'll tell you every day anyway, to join in with the chat. Go to richieallen.co.uk. It says comment live at the top of the page. It is self-explanatory. Comment live. Big thanks, by the way, to Hayden Hewitt, my great mate, my colleague, for helping out with the website yesterday when it crashed. It bloody well crashed, so it did. Hang on. I'm adjusting my chair as I speak with you. Thanks to Hayden, as usual. Do check out altfeed.net. Go to the Altfeed show on YouTube. Always excellent, interesting commentary. And, uh, and, and what's the word I'm looking for here? Editorial. Great stuff, Hayden Hewitt and Graham Booth. Well, it's, it's a Tuesday. I don't know by, by measuring it up to any other Tuesday that's gone before, but it's been a pretty busy day. Lots going on that you and I can chat about. A plan for tackling COVID during the autumn and winter in England has been revealed by the Health Secretary, Sajid Javid, and his boss, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. So it includes offering booster jabs to millions of people, right? And it also keeps in reserve measures like mandatory vaccine passports for certain things. So Boris Johnson and Javid today outlined a Plan A, which will promote the jabs and the boosters, and continuing to test people and to isolate them. That's plan A, or the gist of plan A, or the guts of plan A. But there is a plan B, and that aims to prevent the NHS being overwhelmed. And plan B has a number of things going for it. We'll hear about them in a moment. Johnson emphasised how smaller changes might have a bigger effect, thanks to the jabs. Okay. So they said that more harmful economic and social restrictions would only be considered as a very last resort. That's what they said. Plan A. Let's hear a little bit of Javid, that is Sajid Javid. Do you fancy a little Javid, the pint-sized health minister? He was talking about the pillars of defence against COVID in the House of Commons this lunchtime. Pillars three and four in the wall against COVID Well, I found Pillars 3 and 4 very interesting indeed. Let's hear the first one. 
now, as we say back home in God's country. Listen up. Our third pillar, Mr Speaker, is that we're supporting the NHS and social care. Last week, I announced a £5.4 billion injection for the NHS to support the COVID-19 response over the next six months, including £1 billion extra to tackle the elective backlog caused by COVID-19. We've also launched a consultation on protecting vulnerable patients. Listen to this now. A consultation on how to better protect vulnerable patients. If you work in the National Health Service or in social care, you need to hear this. By making COVID-19 and flu vaccinations a condition of deployment for frontline healthcare staff and wider, wider social care workers in England. Just in case you missed that, it's important you hear it again. Patients. By making COVID-19 and flu vaccinations a condition of deployment for frontline healthcare staff and wider, wider social care workers in England. Condition of deployment. In other words, no job, no job. We're already making this a condition of deployment for people in CQC registered adult care homes. And although we are keeping an open mind and we won't be making a final decision until we fully consider the results of the consultation, I believe that it is highly likely that frontline NHS staff and those working in wider social care settings will also have to be vaccinated to protect those that are around them and that this will be an important step in protecting those at greatest risk. No job, no job. He was speaking, you've seen the dispatch box, so he's looking directly at the opposition party, the main opposition party, the benches of the Labour Party. Now, the Labour Party describes itself as the party of the trade unionist and the party of the worker. Not a whimper from the Labour Party benches. Not so much as a raised eyebrow. Here you have a jumped up little bollocks called Sajid Javid threatening hundreds of thousands of workers. Many of them presumably Labour Party supporters or members threatening them that if they didn't have a COVID and a flu jab this winter, in all likelihood, they'd be told, well, to get to feck. No job for you. No jabs, no job. Not a whisper from Labour. Now, he also went on to say, Pillar 4, he said there is a big flu jab campaign coming. A big flu jab campaign. Fourth, Mr Speaker, we'll, be, we'll keep encouraging people to take steps to keep seasonal illnesses at bay, including flu and COVID-19. The best step that we can all take is to get vaccinations for COVID-19 and flu if we're eligible. And so, along with our COVID-19 vaccination programme, the next few months we'll see the largest ever flu vaccination campaign this country has ever seen. Our plan also sets out a number of changes we can all make to our daily routines. Now, so we're going to roll out this massive advertising campaign, this massive pressure for everybody to be flu-jabbed alongside COVID, right? Listen to what he says then. Basically, people will be encouraged well, to keep doing the things that they were asked to do last winter. Like meeting outdoors where possible. Meeting outdoors. Or if you need to be indoors, trying to let in fresh air. Wearing a face mask in crowded and enclosed spaces. Where yes, the abuses from Conservative Party backbenchers. Those are his fellow Tories in the background screaming at him. You know, what, what is all of this tosh about wearing masks? And we, we thought this stuff was, was coming to an end. But no. Fresh air. 
wearing a face mask in crowded and enclosed spaces, where you can come into contact with people that you don't normally meet. And, and Mr Speaker... It's a shocking disgrace that it is left to four or five Conservative Party backbenchers, party colleagues of the Health Secretary, to jeer and boo him for the things that he's saying. Again, not so much as a peep from the opposition party across the floor from Javid. Nothing. Our fifth pillar is how we'll look beyond our shores and pursue an international approach. Last week, I attended the G20 health ministers meeting and I met counterparts from across the world. Yes, global solutions. We know all about that, of course. This is the plan, isn't it? It's all part of the one world government scheme, which is to further the Agenda 2030, to further the Great Reset plans. We, we know that. Global, global, global. Not a whisper from across the floor. Before we hear Boris Johnson, who was speaking about an hour ago from Downing Street, talk about Plan B. If Plan A fails, Plan B, we'll hear about that. Let me read very quickly some messages. Patricia, this is through the website now. Go to richieallen.co.uk and go to Comment Live. Richie, it's disturbing, says Patricia, to believe that people will actually be willing to get a booster. What a concept. Pump more of the same crap into your body that didn't work the first two times. That is an excellent point. It's an excellent point. And yet, no, I won't. I won't go off on one. I'll, I'll be quite excellent comment, Patricia. Mandeep says, Richie, God bless you and your lady there. Thank you, Mandeep. Please give a shout out to Cranford Horse Brigade. And that is the team of Mandeep, Jilly, Cam and all the lovely horses. Sounds lovely, Mandeep. My pal Peter Ebden works with horses and tells me it's a beautiful thing. Wonderful thing to be out there in the morning, in the fresh air with some of the, well, the most intelligent creatures on planet Earth. Thank you, uh, Mandy. Point to Joan. Richie, says Joan. So they want to scare the crap out of everyone to get jabbed and boosted up. Or the vaccine passports will be brought in. Are you scared yet, says Joan. That's about the size of it, Joan. Hi to Alan in Liverpool. Good evening to the one and only Jean Ann Crowley in Cleggan in Connemara. Hi to Martin and Bill as well. I will be reading. I'm getting better at reading the comments out as I go along. So they rolled out this idea of Plan A. But Plan A, if it doesn't work, what will Plan B look like? Well, here's Boris Johnson speaking about... Uh, no, before we hear Johnson speak about Plan Plan B. Let's hear what the Health Secretary had to say about it before the Prime Minister. The plan before the House today is our Plan A, a comprehensive plan to steer this country through the autumn and winter. But we've seen how quickly this virus can adapt and change. So we have prepared a Plan B of a contingency measures that we can call upon only if they are needed and supported by the data to prevent unsustainable pressure on the NHS. These measures would be communicating clearly and urgently to the public the need for caution, legally mandating face coverings in certain settings. And whilst we're not going ahead with... That was Desmond Swain, I think. ...with mandatory vaccine-owning COVID status certification... 
Oh, this is important. Let's um, let's very briefly go back to that. While we're not going ahead with the vaccine passports... ...dating face coverings in certain settings. Right. And whilst we're not going ahead with mandatory vaccine-owning COVID status certification now, we'll be holding that power in reserve. In reserve. That's Sajid Javid. So Boris Johnson appeared at Downing Street this afternoon. Johnson, the Prime Minister, that is... Apparently his mother passed away on Monday, but he's not taking any time off in any case. Uh, Javid said, look, keep the COVID measures, especially uh, in reserve. The ones that we're telling you we are removing now, we're going to keep them in reserve. And when it goes belly up, as it will, there is a plan B, and that involves mask wearing becoming mandatory, working from home, and maybe the reintroduction of the idea of vaccine passports. So, Johnson at this Downing Street conference was flanked by the Fockwit brothers, Chris Whitty and Patrick Valance. Uh, What would need to happen for Plan B to come into operation? That is the question posed to Johnson by a BBC reporter. What would happen for Plan B to come into operation? I think that just bear in mind what we're trying to prevent, uh, and that is the overwhelming of the uh, of the NHS, and that that's got to remain the uh, the objective. Um, uh, the there are uh, all sorts of data that we'll continue to study as we have throughout the pandemic in deciding uh, what the the risks are, what the what the state of the disease is. We'll keep you updated about where we are. Uh, you've heard the exact state of things at the moment, and we're confident we can proceed with 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 Plan A. But I think I, what I would stress about Plan B. Uh, is that it contains a number of different shots in the in the locker, and you wouldn't necessarily play them uh, all at once. Far from it. You'd uh, you'd want to do things uh, in a graduated way. And I just emphasise what I think Patrick has said many times that we're now in a situation when, because so many of the population have some degree of immunity, smaller changes uh, in. Uh, in the guidance, smaller changes in the way we're asking people to behave can have a bigger impact and and, uh, a smaller tilt on the tiller, if you want, can uh, affect a bigger change in the the direction of the the pandemic. Johnson there speaking to a BBC reporter on what would need to happen for Plan B to be introduced to stop the NHS becoming overwhelmed, which, which it will be. And I've explained this in at least 100 programmes in the last 18 months. The NHS will be overwhelmed this winter and it won't be because of COVID-19, whatever that is. It won't be. The NHS is overwhelmed every winter, over a 30-year period. The bed capacity in the service has been reduced by more than half. Thousands and thousands of doctors and nurses have left. I read in the Telegraph today, they are, depending on who you believe, they are short somewhere between 10 and 50,000 doctors in the health service. It is inevitable that they are going to scream at some time in October maybe, if not maybe early November, they are going to scream from the rooftops that they are overwhelmed by COVID cases and by flu cases and we are going to need to reintroduce all of these measures again to prevent the collapse of the service. It is inevitable and it is mendacious in the extreme. It is a massive, massive lie. But I know this is going to happen. It isn't just speculation on my part or my opinion. I know this to be true. 
because it happens every year. Yeah. Let me read one or two more comments and we'll move on to more from that press conference. Layla says, Richie, I am a mum to three. None of my kids will be having the toxic experimental gene therapy crap. They are not responsible for the paranoia of neurotic adults. My children are not responsible for the paranoia of neurotic adults, let alone not needing to take that shite. It is madness. Alan Tracy says mandating is not lawful, totally unenforceable. Alan, you need to wake up and smell the primroses, mate. It doesn't matter whether it is unlawful or not. Various conventions, various treaties that this country signed up to, they don't matter, man. It doesn't matter. They will insist that care and health workers have these jabs and when they don't, they will fire them. And no courts of law will come to the rescue of the workers in the NHS who will lose their jobs. Forget laws. Nobody is going to, to, to win through this by, by relying on the rule of law. It's something I've been very animated about in the past, and I'll be animated about it again today. Where's that goon, that truther, that fool, that, that mortgage dude who, who said he was going to get Matt Hancock in court late last year? We're 12 months on. Where's that doctor in Europe, or not that doctor, that lawyer, who's taking people to court over the PCR tests. Where are these court cases? That's right, they're never going to materialise. And I don't take, it's not triumphalism for me. I don't play that game of, ha ha, ha ha ha. I don't do the Nelson Muntz thing. Ha ha, I don't do that. But I'm right. And you know I'm right. Stop talking about the law as a means to end in this nightmare. The only thing that will end this is if enough people come together, not to Trafalgar Square, to stand there listening to Piers Corbyn or anybody else, but collectively enough people say, no, no more. We will open our businesses. We will go where we want. We will ignore your bullshit. Civil disobedience. That's how it'll end. But saying that, oh, they can't enforce the vaccine mandates, well, of course they can. And they will. Of course they can. And they will. They won't do it to me. I'd starve. Now, I'm lucky enough I'm self-employed. I would starve before I would accept that shit in order to be allowed to care for somebody or to work as a janitor in a hospital or whatever. I would starve. I would starve. But that's me. I'd basically beg on the streets for enough money every day to buy a litre of Bacardi and I would drink myself into oblivion before I would take that shit. But there are many who have children. They have very expensive mortgages. They have, again, the, the, the children's well-being to look out for and they're not in that position and they will find themselves, many of them, not wanting the poison but they will feel that they don't have any choice, they will take it anyway. I'm very passionate about the law. And uh, Alan, don't, uh, I don't know you, Alan. I only know your name through the website. I don't know who you are. Uh, but I'm not having a go at you specifically, mate. Just the idea is that we can go to court with these people. It's been tried and it's failed. Now, at the same press conference today, 
They spent quite some time lamenting the fact that there remains 5 million unjabbed adults in the UK, allegedly 5 million. I know some of you don't believe them when they say they've double jabbed 81%. I know you think they're exaggerating and you might be right. I don't know, right? But they have said that something needs to be done to make the 5 million see sense and offer up their arms. Now, the media, whores, useless whores, every one of them. Just listen to ITV's political editor, Robert Peston, speaking of whoremongers. Chris Whitty, the England's chief medical officer, had displayed a slide this afternoon, which claimed, the slide demonstrated, that the numbers of people coming to hospital with COVID is four times the rate that it was this time last year. And death numbers, the numbers of people dying within 28 days of testing positive for COVID, the deaths are going up as well. How very strange. Four times the number of people are going to hospital on Tuspidale, as we say, on Tuspidale, four times as many as last September, and the deaths are going up as well. Now, a journalist, dear listener, a real one would have said, look, Chris Whitty, you extra from the hills have eyes, you ugly bastard. Jesus, the doctor must have given your mother a slap in the delivery room. Whitty, do you think we are fucking idiots? The number of people of all ages who have received a COVID-19 vaccination, age 16 and over, not all ages, age 16 and over, it's 81.2% of the country. 81.2% of over 16s are double jabbed, according to you. 90% witty of the nation has COVID antibodies, according to you. How is it that you're standing there with your stupid, but fucking slides and telling us that we're in trouble and that hospitalizations are four times more than they were last year. How can that be possible? What's the point in the jabs then? You baldy bastard. That's what Robert Peston should have said. Did he? Did he echoes like? This is what he said. As your chart showed, um, numbers going in hospital are five times what they were a year ago. Uh, sorry, four times actually. Deaths are five times what they were a year ago, and as you pointed out, we're about to get colder weather, we're going to be indoors more, kids are going back to school. What is the argument for not taking mild suppressive measures now? Wanker! Wanker! Excuse me, it's language unbecoming of anybody who claims to be a professional broadcaster, and I mean the apology. Wanker! Wanker! That was the question he asked when he was given one question by the Prime Minister. The question he chose to ask wasn't, you fool witty, you double jab the bejesus out of everybody in the country. Now you're talking about boosters, despite the fucking jabbing, despite the mask wearing, the social distancing and all of that other bollocks. You're now standing there and telling us that even more people are going to hospital. This is a nonsense, man. Come clean. Whose pocket are you living out of? Is it Gates? Is it Fauci? Who is it, you fucking shill? That's what he should have said, Peston. Instead, he asked him, why don't we take some measures now? How does he sleep at night, Peston? How does he go to bed and sleep at night? It's disgraceful, isn't it? Isn't it sickening? 
isn't it sickening that you would call yourself a journalist? That fucker will be in Santa Ponza in a few weeks' time with his fucking wife and kids, and somebody will ask him at the pool over a San Miguel, what do you do for a living? And he'll say journalist, and his nose will poke the guy in the fucking eye. Nobody should call themselves a journalist who asks a guy who stands there and tells you cases and hospitalizations are going up. The only question, the only question is, what the fuck have we been doing then for the last 12 months? You ugly bastard witty. Ugly. Offensively ugly. Horrible. Standing there. No, Peston says, I tell you what now, shouldn't we be putting some measures in now, should we? Peston, eh? Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, Christ. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to take some Jamiroquai. Jamiraki. I'll calm down and then we'll go somewhere else, I think. This is the Richie Allen Radio Show, 25 minutes past five. Can't eat from Jamiroquai on your Richie Allen Show. The Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk. 28 minutes past the hour. Tomorrow is the 7th birthday of your Richie Allen show. Tomorrow, the 15th of September. It was Monday, uh, September 15th, 2014, when the programme debuted. It was the very first one. It'll be seven years tomorrow. That's good, isn't it? Thank you for being there for most of the seven years. Those of you who have now... There is a problem with the website because the traffic to the comment live page is a bit mental. So for some people, they can't get on that page. They get an error message. My great friend and colleague, Hayden Hewitt, is selflessly, as per usual, working on a patch and hopefully he will get something up and running. But the traffic to the website during the programme is is crazy, really. I don't mean to brag, but... But it is. Now, your man was out today. Uh, they took him out for a spin. He's not been on the telly for a while. Jonathan Van Tam was on the telly. He's the country's deputy chief medical officer. Now, he was on telly this morning with a guy called Lim Wei Shen from the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, a proper pair of plonkers, they they were talking about the plan for booster jabs, as Patricia said in Zurich. Who'd be crazy enough to have a booster jab when the jabs they've had are seemingly useless? I I, I agree with with Patricia, but yeah, they were on this morning to talk about the boosters and who would get them and when. Asher twas gas. Van Tam, Jonathan Van Tam was was asked by a reporter. This question. Mr. Excuse me. Professor Van Tam. There are some who are worried that boosters, or the booster they get, won't be the same as the original jab. You know, for some, they would have gotten a couple of Pfizer jabs, and now they're being told they might be giving a Moderna jab. So some people are worried. Why shouldn't I get the original jab for the third time? Why Why would they give me something else? Not to worry, says Jonathan Van Tam. I have seen, I sit in on all the JCVI meetings as an observer. I've seen the data they, they examine. I would be perfectly content 
as a 57-year-old and as a healthcare worker to be boosted with either a half-dose Moderna or a full-dose of Pfizer. I really wouldn't care which. What kind of fuckery is this? You know, I said that if, if, if you refuse to ask these people questions at any stage, they become emboldened to talk absolute horse shit like this. As a 57-year-old and as a healthcare worker, to be boosted with either a heart... Let's, let's just hear this again. This, this, this is wonderful. content as a 57-year-old and as a healthcare worker to be boosted with either a half-dose Moderna or a full-dose of Pfizer. I really wouldn't care which. That is just the truth. That's the truth, says JVT. I'd be happy if they gave me a little bit of Pfizer, a bit of Moderna, if they shot me in the arse with a little bit of the Johnson & Johnson, and if they made me swallow a glass of the AstraZeneca. I just couldn't give a shit. That's the truth. They're mad, these people. They're insane, and uh, they're getting away with it. I wonder, says one of the reporters, JVT, they love JVT, this guy. He looks like Penfold from Danger Mouse. Have you seen him? Jonathan Van Tam. And they lo- the me- he, he, he is the darling of the media. He's been the media darling throughout this scam. So have you any message for the old anti-vaxxers there, have you, uh, JVT? It remains the case that going from no protection at all against this virus to the protection given by those first two primary courses is always going to be more important in public health terms than boosting. It sounds crazy to say it um, at a briefing which is all about the booster programme, but it's actually true. And so from that perspective, um, the NHS has been very clear that the offer of vaccination is evergreen uh, for people (laughs) who haven't yet taken advantage of it, and they can come forwards and still incredibly important. It's incredibly important. You've got an evergreen offer, dear listener, because I know you've not been jabbed and I know you've got no intentions of it. But JVT said, listen, you've got a, you've got a evergreen offer now. So don't worry about it. Anytime you change your mind, we'll be waiting with the jabs. They've got Freddy Krueger type nurses with, with, with jabs, with anaesthetics in place of their fingers coming at you. They're ready for you when you see the light and you get off of Facebook and stop listening to those those crazy conspiracy theorists. Heather is in Dubai. Richie, I'm a bit worried about my job as I've been informed there will be a jab survey coming round soon. I work for a multinational. No fear but concerned about future financials, says Heather. Heather, I hear you and you're not the first person to tell me that today. Thanks to Hayden for tinkering around under the bonnet of richieallen.co.uk under the hood you Americans thanks for doing that Hayden I appreciate it yeah Mm, yeah hi to Pandora Richie when this began they couldn't even look a camera in the eye from their Nazi podiums as they read or read read even cringeworthy lies from their scrawled notes squirming in the knowledge the public would not bite at all now they waltz up Unzip and pish on the public, knowing that the public are utter fuckwits. Then, says Pandora, they shake off the drops, zip up, they turn smirking towards the Parliament doors that we, the people, own, 
every grain of, and they walk off camera laughing. They're genocidal, insider trading, war profiteering, war criminal, fucking arses off, says Pandora. Amen, sister. That's what they do. They've been emboldened now to tell porkies and to make outlandish statements like JVT, the darling of the media. Outlandish bollocks. I mean, it doesn't get any more outlandish, the bollocks, than, well, then, then, than, than, I often say then when I should say than, than this. Examine. I would be perfectly content as a 57-year-old and as a healthcare worker to be boosted with either a half dose of Moderna or a full dose of Pfizer. I really wouldn't care which. Couldn't give a shit. That is Couldn't give a monkey's. Couldn't give a monkey's, mate. They can stick me with anything, says the pathological lawyer, Jonathan Van Tam. And he is a pathological lawyer. He won't be suing me anytime soon, you know. This is your Richie Allen show. Now, I did tell you that he was sitting next to Professor Lin Wei Shen who heads up the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, Professor Lin Wei Shen. That's his name. He's the first cousin of Xu Shen. He was asked the same question. Any message for the anti-vaxxers then? And he told a very tall tale. Didn't he? Didn't he? At least I think he did. He told a very tall tale. And I see patients in hospital, as do a lot of my clinical colleagues, who have... uh unfortunately, uh, been hospitalised because of COVID-19. A lot of them currently are people who have not been vaccinated at all, whether with one or two doses. And some of them, uh, unfortunately, are very, very ill. I've spoken to patients who have uh, survived an intensive care admission because of COVID-19. Now, he's spoken to patients who survived intensive care because of COVID. He's spoken to them now, this professor of the JCVI. And during recovery, uh, we spent a long time chatting. And long time chatting. And they asked me, when can I have my COVID vaccine now? <laughs> sure they did. Um, and of course, we want to wait until they've recovered from their illness before we offer them a COVID vaccine. We want to wait until they've recovered from their illness and they are loaded up to the wazoo with COVID antibodies, we want to wait till then to give them a COVID job. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me, that. Uh, but the important thing is, if only they had asked that question before they, they became seriously ill. And yeah, if only before they became seriously ill, they'd asked, can I have a job? On intensive care, because we want people to be as well protected as possible. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's always heartbreaking when you see somebody... Um, who is admitted very, very unwell, uh, and they didn't avail themselves of something that would have protected them uh, from such a severe disease. Oh, it's heartbreaking. He's guest presenting Jack and Ori for the BBC next week. That's what he's doing. He'll be on Jack and Ori telling more bullshit stories. 22 minutes to 6 o'clock. This is the Big Geraniums on The Richie Allen Show. I'm the BBG. How are you doing? Lots more chat. Don't forget Matt Landman joining me a bit later on this Tuesday. Geraniums and home again. It's the Richie Allen Radio Show live from BBG Towers in Salford. It's a landmark. There's a blue plaque outside the door. A 
the big mousy bollocks once lived here. That's the one. 18 minutes to 6 o'clock. Matt Landman, Frankenskies and much more. He'll be with me in the second air. Your comments are pouring in. I will read more of them in a moment. But before we do that, in a moment, in a moment, I said, in a moment. Before I do that, there's still so much news. There was a quack on talk radio this afternoon with Ian Collins. The quack was the former chairman of the British Medical Association's Public Health Committee. His name is Dr. Peter English. He said today that those of us who refuse to wear masks, well, we are simply callous people and we don't care who we kill. So all these people who go on the tube saying, I'm not going to wear a mask, what they're saying is, I don't care who I kill if I happen to be infectious without knowing it and infect others. It's callous and I think people ought to be required to wear masks when case levels are above a threshold, which yeah. we discuss. E- even though most Peter. people are never going to die from this, the average death rate is still 82, because you have to balance this with, you know, human freedoms. You have to balance this with our position as citizens, our relationship with our government. There are those not unreasonable ethical questions. Yes, yes. That's a good point, Ian Collins. To which the doctor replied... Not with a simple thing like wearing a mask in the public space. The imposition on you is minute in comparison. You don't think wearing a mask is wearing... How many people... Are people really killing people? People are dying. People are dying from this disease. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. Very, very few measures. people comparatively die from COVID compared to other diseases, right? That's, that's... So they don't matter? No, so no, no nobody's if... suggesting they don't. Did you hear the ad hominem attack by the witch doctor to Ian Collins? Ian Collins never said they don't matter. Ian Collins is talking about perspective. But you always get an ad hominem attack from these goons, don't you? They play the man, not the ball. They don't matter, but what I'm arguing is there is a balance, surely. They don't matter added. enough that the balance of, of doing something simple, like wearing a mask when you're in a crowded space... We could just all stay indoors then, couldn't we? We could extend that logic no, and just say, let's stay be, indoors. Well, if you, to save even more people a based on your own logic. Yes, that's right. Ian Collins, too. This dipstick from the BMA, nil. At least that's how I see it so far. It went on. Nonsense. If you wear a mask, you can still go out, okay. take, take part in society, do all the things... Take part in society. ...things you would normally do. You just wear a mask. But you could be really safe and stay indoors. You could be then you kind of 100%. If you are vulnerable, if you're a person with a blood cancer or chemotherapy or with an immune suppression problem, you probably will make that decision. I know lots of people who don't dare travel on the train these days because they are susceptible. If we knew that other people were going to wear masks and take care not to spread the disease if they've got it, then some of these people might feel able to participate in society again. It's the people who are, and there are lots of people who are vulnerable and susceptible. It's not just saying two or three percent. If you look at all the people with conditions that make them susceptible, there are a lot of them. And those people are having their lives severely constrained because a few people saying, my civil liberties mean I don't have to wear a mask on the train, even though it might mean that I would infect somebody if I don't. don't. Yeah, right. Bollocks, but anyway. Uh, even if those stats would show that the case you kind of cite, as in killing somebody, would be so monumentally rare in that scenario. Well, it's we'd have to factor rare. that in. It's partly quite, rare quite at rare. the moment. Because what, what's... People are still, still taking the behavioural changes that the experts talk about. People are still modifying their behaviour. So people who are at risk are constraining their lives. They okay. are not travelling on the tube or the train because they feel at risk. And that's happening a lot. Tough shit, Paddy. 
if you feel that you're at risk of brushing up against somebody on a tube, that you might catch something from them and you might become ill, well, there's no hope for you. Tough shit, Paddy. It's the way it's the way it is. If you want to go and live the rest of your life in fear because you, you believe you're vulnerable to, to a respiratory infection, well, you live like that. Don't expect the rest of the world to revolve around you and, and wear masks, which, which, which we know do can do extreme harm to the wearer. No, thanks. I won't wear a mask, no. But I'm vulnerable. I couldn't give a fuck. I couldn't give two fucks that you're vulnerable. I couldn't care less. Don't use the train then. You're in the minority. You know, when, when did it become like this? I remember speaking to a professor of sociology from Kent some years ago, Frank Ferrady, long before COVID. We were talking about the dangers of pandering all the time to the desires and the demands of a minority group over the majority. And where that inevitably leads, it leads to fucking totalitarianism. I'm not unsympathetic to people that have got conditions that make them vulnerable to infection. Of course I'm not. But nature selected you to have a a problem with infection. So if you choose to stay indoors during the flu season, that's fair enough. That's, That's your mitigation. That's your right to do that. But don't tell me that I've got to keep away from my fellow man, that I can't go to work, that I must close down my fucking business, that I must walk around wearing a mask that could do me, as I said, any number of harms. Because you're vulnerable. Tough shit, Paddy. When they come asking for my mortgage next month, where will you be? Ah, ah, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. It only works one way. You know, this social conscience works one feckin' way. Yeah, yeah, you wear a mask and you don't go to work and you lose your money and and, and you spend most of your nights tossing and turning because you're worried about your mortgage uh, to protect me. But when you're getting thrown out of your fucking house by the sheriff, I'm not going to be there for you. Take your vulnerability. Stick it up your arse. That's life. That's what all the people say. Right? It's life, isn't it? I'm particularly susceptible to infections. As somebody who's had bronchial problems his entire life, what mitigations do I take? I've never smoked a cigarette, never will. Never smoked a joint, never will. I keep myself very fit. I don't expect people to walk on eggshells around me because I'm vulnerable to infections. Madness, this world we live in, it's mad. And the the, the fact is that part of the reason for the low death rates at the moment is that there are so many people who are taking, making behavioral changes changing what they do in their life, unable to participate in society, unable to contribute to, to, to tax revenues by going to see shows and things, going eating out. They won't do it or because if of they the don't mask. feel safe. Because other people aren't wearing masks when, when it would be a trivial right. imposition to them, but it could be really serious to the... But they're not wearing gloves system. either. They could be touching handles and seats and all sorts but of things. But we know so. that this disease is almost entirely... Wait, we're, we're just wait till you hear this now. Wait till you hear this. What he says next proves the point that Ian Collins made earlier. It proves my point. Collins says, well, you know, touching surfaces and stuff. Listen to what he says. And seats and all sorts of But we know that this disease is almost entirely airborne. All the fuss we made earlier on in the pandemic about not touching things and and, uh, washing our hands carefully, it's had benefits in less food poisoning and that kind of thing. But it's really made hardly any difference at all to transmission. Ah, all that stuff we banged on about for a year, about not touching people, about cleaning down surfaces. 
about washing your hands 572 times a day, about using hand sanitizer. That was bollocks, says this guy Peter English. The only good that did was maybe to, to drive down incidents of food poisoning. That was just arbitrary shit that we just made up. This is an airborne infection and, uh, you know, forget about the hand washing. This was at lunchtime. By half three this afternoon, Boris Johnson was telling people to continue washing your hands and using hand sanitizer. Liars. Every one of them. Liars. Just remind us the average age of somebody dying of COVID. Good point. I can't know what it is at the moment. You've probably got it at your fingertips. You I, no, I haven't. Um, I haven't because I keep I, hearing the, figures of 82, what, what 84, what 86. Clinical co- 33. Co- colleagues is that there are a lot more people who are younger, under 50, uh, on the ICUs at the moment. Um, that the age distribution has changed considerably, although it is true that the vast majority of those are unvaccinated. Okay. Dr. Peter English, thank you. Always a pleasure, sir. Pass. Always a pleasure. I'm sure it is. It's exactly nine and a half minutes to the top of the hour. Richie Allen with you this Tuesday. I'll be with you till around about seven o'clock this evening. I'm pretty sure Matt Landman will join us live from British Columbia really soon. I must have a read of your comments. I'll do those now in a moment. Uh, if I get to them, I will get to them. Of course, I'll get to them. Uh, your comments next, by the way, it's richieallen.co.uk, where it says comment live. Are you a company based in the northwest of England who want to improve their profile via social media? Yes! Well, you could go out in the car park and film something on your phone, but it's not very good, is it? No! Sounds terrible, the picture's not that great. Yes! Try Ensign Films. We're a new video production company based in the heart of Manchester. We're really old, we've had loads of experience, and we can work within your budget. Don't go out in the car park with Debbie from Accounts. Seriously. Ensignfilms.co.uk you're listening to the saviour of the independent media. It's your Richie Allen. It is your Richie Allen. It is indeed. Yeah, let me get back to the comments then because there are many of them. Thanks again to Hayden for patching up the old comment live page there. Caroline says, Richie, what they are really saying is, let us be so clean and then any infection will get us. It's absolute bollocks, says Caroline. Faisal says, I wish they'd make up their minds. Is the case or the death rate low or high now? That's another good point there. Very good point. Indeed. Lovely. Fox says, Urban Fox, thanks Richie for making me laugh and letting me channel my thoughts through you. I've been banging on about the legal situation, not ending tyranny for months. It won't, in my opinion, but look, I stand to be proved wrong. I'm I'm a humble man. When, when I am wrong, which is often enough, I'll be the first person to say, listen, Jesus, I was wrong there, you know. Julie says, uh, Richie, I can't believe it. When have these idiots ever given a shit about people? If people don't use the train, it's because they are f***ing stupid, says Julie. Not because they are vulnerable. I'm swearing a lot more too, says Julie. We all are, Julie. There's an epidemic of Tourette's rampaging up and down the highways and byways of the UK and Ireland. People who've never sworn before in their lives are walking around fucking bastards. You're hearing that all the time. Alan says, why is it my responsibility to protect those who have serious conditions? Surely that's their responsibility. I'd help any person I worked with. I would respect their condition. But I won't muzzle up to save granny. Fuck off, Dr. English, says Alan. Well, of course, despite my silly rant... 
The fact is there isn't a shred of scientific evidence to support the the fairy tale that is asymptomatic transmission. None. By their own admission early last year, if you aren't feeling unwell, not feeling unwell, you are not coughing, you are not sneezing, you are not going to pass squat onto anybody else. None. Somebody said to me, would you even concede the ground, Richie, that if you are coughing and sneezing, that you should stay away from others? I was asked, would I give that much? And I still say no. Most people don't get paid when they don't work. Most people can manage to work when they've got a little bit of a temperature and they've got a snotty nose. Very difficult for those people who can work through the fever and the snotty nose to stay away lest they pass on their germs to other people. So I would say no to what feels right for you. Simple as that. There will be those listening now and they will attempt to paint me, not to paint me, but to box me into a pigeonhole and claim that I'm some sort of neoconservative or or alternative right figure, no chance. When I did allow myself to be boxed in to those, to those, to those identities, I was a socialist. I was a proper trade unionist, an old lefty, Bolivarian. No way you could describe me as right wing. But anyway, it's uh, richieallen.co.uk. Comment live at the top of the page. It's working well. Thousands of comments since we put it on there. Dolores uh, says, Richie, I'm a granny and I wanted the freedom to look after my own life. Healthy me, I am. No jab, no medication. Natural remedies and I've got a healthy mind, says Dolores, who is a grandmother. Thank you, Dolores. William says, the real germs are the toxins that are in medication, food, water and even in the air. Thank you, William. Nellie says that she's a granny too and would never expect anyone to change their lifestyle to suit me. Get on with your lives, says Nelly. Thank you, Nelly. Will McGregor says, Richie, I've noticed recently more and more, being out on the road for work, that the driving standards are becoming horrendous. Driving, people driving in the middle of the roads, lethargy at traffic lights and roundabouts. The jabs are having an effect, I am sure, says Will. Very interesting, Will. You may very well be right. I don't know. What did I notice? I recently drove down to Truro in Cornwall. Yeah, driving is substandard. And I don't want to be pontificating. I don't want to give the impression that I fancy myself as an outstanding driver. I'm a very attentive driver. I always drive within the speed limit. I don't see the speed limit as a target. I'm happy driving at 55 miles an hour in the left-hand lane, driving my, my old, my old Renault Megane estate. I've trained myself never to do anything without looking in my mirrors, because I've always had this fear that I'll lose concentration while driving and change lane without looking, which is what happens a lot on motorways. So I'm an, I'm an, I'm an attentive driver. And I'm a, I'm a calm driver. I'm not one for beeping the horn and screaming at people. I did it once. I'll be the first to admit that. Some years ago, I would 
get a bit annoyed with idiots on the road, but not anymore. I don't allow it to bother me one bit anymore. Sit back, enjoy the ride with the BBG. That's how it is. But yeah, I agree. I, I think standards have plummeted. Driving standards on the road there. My pal, Jean Ann Crowley, often makes the journey from the west of Ireland to Dublin's fair city. I wonder, has she noticed a decline in standards? Driving standards. Ron and Jean, good evening to Ron and Jean. How you doing, folks? Are you well this Tuesday? Thanks for the kind words, Ron. Let us, uh, let us pray. No, let's, let's, let's not pray. God be with the days of the Angelus on the radio. It's uh, coming up for two minutes to six o'clock. I am so looking forward to speaking with Matt Landman. Matt will be with me very soon. But before we get Matthew on, let me tell you about Richard Maidley. Richard Maidley is a television presenter. Hey, before we talk about Richard Maidley, I can't concentrate today. I'm like a five-month-old golden retriever puppy. I keep jumping from one thing to other. One t'other. Can't keep my mind on one thing. I haven't had a drink, of course not. I wouldn't drink before I work. But my mind is all over the place today. I better calm it down now. From this press conference this afternoon, Chris Whitty, Patrick Valance, the Chuckle Brothers, and and Boris Johnson, it, the, the anti-vaxxers came up. And apparently Christopher Whitty, Professor Christopher Whitty, he said that anti-vaxxers should be, well, ashamed. You should be ashamed of yourselves, according to Chris Whitty, for trying to turn people off of the life-saving jabs. There are a number of myths that fly around with varying, some of which are just clearly ridiculous. Give us one then, give us one myth which is ridiculous. And some of which are clearly designed just to scare. That happens to be one of them. Uh, one of the biggest fear-mongering, whore-mongering bastards in the world is accusing other people of fear-mongering. It is untrue. Uh, I, my own strong suggestion, if I may, to uh, uh, media present and not present, is repeating them in public actually just gives them credence, which they don't need. Uh, they're untrue, full stop. Uh, if you think about uh, where we are actually overall, and this is, the, this is a slightly longer answer to your question because I think it's a very important one, the great majority of people are getting vaccinated. So the great majority of people are ignoring these myths. And if you talk about people in their 50s and 60s and 70s, you're talking about uh, over 90% of people getting vaccinated. Uh, and very few people actually are actively, in the sense, in the anti-vax group. There are a group of people who've got strange beliefs, and fine, and they make their own... Very strange beliefs, some of these people. They believe that the immune system, which has evolved over several hundred thousand years, a million years, two million years that the immune system, which is beautifully designed, creative design, I'm a creationist, they have very strange beliefs, one of them being that the immune system will do a damn sight better job of fighting off a respiratory illness than some toxic syringe full of piss and pus. That's a strange belief, all right, that, yeah, Chris. Yeah. Choices, and in a sense... Also fine. People are adults are allowed to make their own choices. However, strange that is a basic principle of uh, medical ethics, actually. But he plans to change that, you know. But there are also people who go around trying to discourage other people from taking uh, a vaccine, which could be life-saving or prevent them from having life-changing uh, uh, injuries to themselves. That's nonsense. I have never and of 
there aren't too many independent content creators that I like. I don't mean personally now. I like a lot of people personally. But there aren't too many whose output I like. But there are a few. Neither they nor I have ever told anybody what they should and shouldn't do. What we do is try to present the arguments of people, many of whom are more qualified than Chris Whitty, and say you shouldn't have one of these jabs. But those people are banned by the legacy media, which is why this programme and others exist. But they want to change that too, you know. And many of those people, I regret to say, I think know that they are peddling untruths, but they still do it. Like what? Like like that the jab is still in trial? You have no long-term data on it? That it has killed people in every country where you've rolled it out? Are those lies? And that based on the information we already have about vaccine injury or jab injury... I've decided not to take it myself and I will do my best as a journalist to show that information to other people. In my view, they should be ashamed. And banned. That's the next step. And I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that, says Chris Whitty. Yeah, you'll leave it at that. Fucking arsehole. Right, let's have some more tunes. And Matt Landman, please God. Will be with me shortly. Top man is Matt. This is Odyssey. It is six minutes past the hour. That's Odyssey and native New Yorker on the Richie Allen radio show. I'm only delighted that Matt Landman is on the line and standing by. What a terrific guy he is, a brilliant filmmaker. I know you saw the excellent Frankenskies. If you haven't seen it, do go to Frank Frankensky say it again, Richie. Frankenskiesthemovie.com. It's outstanding. There is a sequel in the pipeline. He's also the man behind Spiro uh, clothing. It's a line of protective clothing against uh, EMF. It protects against EMF. Now, I don't normally allow plugs or advertising on this programme, but I will ask Matt to tell us a little bit about that a little bit later on. It is a pleasure to welcome him back to the programme because it's been uh, so long. Matt Landman, you're very welcome back to this house. How are you? Greetings, Richie. Thank you so much for having me on. How are you? Bro? I'm great. I'm great. Look, I'm a screw up because I work by myself. I am the editor, producer. I am the, the, the guest booker, presenter, everything. And I screwed up uh, getting you back on a couple of times. You're very patient. So I, I, I appreciate that. Now, there will be, I can tell you this as a fact. I don't say this to brag. Uh, the program's got about 250,000 people listening right now. Many of them are from... Um, they come from a mainstream news background. They are brand new to this type of media because they're only here because they are bewildered at what's going on with COVID and, you know, dodgy vaccines and all of that. So while most of us know who you are, we, we, we watched Frank and Skies and it's fantastic. And we followed you since then. Um, give us uh, a, just a couple of minutes of your own backstory again, how you came to make Frankenskies, what was the, the, the catalyst, the thing that changed in your life? Well, thank you, and thank you for giving me the opportunity. So I like to t try to convey to people that I'm a pretty normal guy. I came from a 
um, middle-class family, was raised in the Washington, D.C. suburbs in the East Coast. And um, I really just wanted to make movies. I wanted to be a filmmaker. As I grew up, I wanted to get into making movies. I never thought it would be documentary film making about weather modification history or weather control or chemtrails or geoengineering or however you want to slice it. Um, but as my life progressed, I worked a bunch of different jobs and I ended up wanting to go back to school and get a master's in business. So I did that and I graduated top of my class with, a, with an MBA with a focus in strategic sustainability. And then I went back to work and I worked in finance. And after working 40 jobs, Richie, I had pretty much had enough of working inside a, a cubicle or an office or whatever you want to, you know, indoors. And I got an opportunity to work on a farm. So I said, why not? You know, I lived in a really rural area where I went to school in the Pacific Northwest in rural Northern California. And I took the opportunity and I worked on an organic farm and I learned so much. Even on the first day, Richie, I learned so much about different varieties of apples. There's thousands and thousands of varieties of apples around the world for sale. I didn't know that potatoes in the ground grew potatoes. I didn't know a potato was a seed for potatoes. <laughs> And I thought I knew, I thought I knew so much, Richie. I was really arrogant, you know, at the age of 35 or 34, I guess it was. And I was very, I was full of myself. But when I started to learn how little I knew, it was a very grounding experience. And I started getting connected to the elements, the sky and the, um, the, the ground and learning about earthing and all this stuff. It's actually really important. But what I witnessed on this farm was weather modification. You know, and once I started sounding the alarm on it, after I learned that it was it had a nefarious agenda behind it, no one knew anything about it. No one. My friends, my peers, they didn't even have a reference point. And when I started to learn that this history goes way back and I dug into it and, and saw that the activism out there wasn't doing it due justice, I, I kind of got some traction and eventually I devoted my entire existence to it, but, but I'm not just the chemtrail guy anymore. Truth is a frequency, and on that frequency of truth are all these other truths. So it's all-encompassing, and I've taken a holistic approach to it, and I've got websites and conferences and this new clothing line, and I'm doing a lot. So thank you so much for having me on and giving me the opportunity to tell a little bit about myself. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And the, the film is excellent. People should see the film. We'll talk about the sequel uh, in a moment. I remember thinking of you last year when when this shutdown or lockdown kicked in and nobody was travelling anywhere. There was a period of a couple of weeks, maybe more, when nothing was going on. And here in, in, in Greater Manchester, in Salford, in the UK, I was out early one morning and it was a bright morning and the sky was covered. In, in in what I believe to be chemtrails. It was absolutely covered in it. So there'd obviously been quite a bit of flying around, even though there weren't any commercial flights taking place. And I remember thinking, Jesus. And I remember thinking at the time, would the 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 the, the, the would 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 the pandemic now I don't believe there is a pandemic, whatever COVID is, but would this situation be used to advance, sneakily advance agendas like geoengineering. And I wonder, is that something you've given any thought to, Matt, in, in the last 12 to 18 months? Oh, for sure, definitely. And especially as these new 
words start coming into the vernacular, into the consciousness. And as if lockdowns weren't bad enough, now they're talking about climate change lockdowns, yeah. brother. Like this is a new thing. And I never thought that my mission to bring light to the lacking of transparency and scrutiny in the sky, I never thought it would end up coming to this where we might be locked in our homes because of of global warming, you know, which is it's it's a it's a rabbit hole in and of itself. But that that just like the COVID unraveling, the global warming unraveling ends up being more agenda than anything. You know, it's a it's a, 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 a it's a power grab essentially by the new world order elite. You know, I'm, I'm sorry to say it if you guys don't know about that, listeners. This is what's going on. So yes, it's it's very it's very all it's all very much connected. And the, the claim is that when we all got locked in our homes, that the temperatures dropped, that we weren't releasing all the carbon from the cars and what have you. And so global warming didn't happen for a little bit. And they're using that supposed data, you know, which where do they get their numbers? And, and where it's just so science has been so bad. It's just it's just unreal. But yes, I'm giving it a lot of thought, and that's what Frankenskies 2 is talking about. And I don't know if you know that there's this whole experiment in Sweden now. So there was an experiment that was supposed to happen in Arizona, in Tucson, Arizona. And we went, the activists um, led by myself, we went and had a conference and a protest and a concert. And the whole state of Arizona was aware of this experiment to dim the sun with Bill Gates and, and this David Keith, he's a Harvard professor, and they want to spray different chemicals in front of the sun to see which ones supposedly work best to dim the sun, because supposedly we need to dim the sun to save us from global warming. Now that experiment was put on hiatus, thank God, but now it's over in Sweden, and they're going to um, do it next spring. Uh, have you heard of this? I have heard of it. And the, the, the thing that should be strikingly obvious to even the most unintelligent human being is that wherever they would perform an experiment like that, Matt, it's going to be devastating for the local ecosystems. It's going to have a terrible effect on plant life and animal life, isn't it? It must do. Insects. Well, of course. Yes. Of course. And, they're, and they're, while they're in their, quote, experimental phase, of course, they'll be doing all sorts of things that, you know, could wreak havoc on, of course, all sorts of systems and, and plant life and even the humans. When we had the protest in Tucson, it wasn't the the conference kind of shifted in an interesting direction. It wasn't bringing light to the world that chemtrails existed, which was part of the you know theme, of course. But really, what what we were bringing light to were do the people of Arizona consent to this experiment happening over their heads, you know, and kind of brought it to the to the real life to like what's happening right now. So for people that don't know. Um, the powers that be want to sidestep decades of treason, which all of this chemtrailing and manipulating the weather and causing heat waves and causing drought and causing big hurricanes and all these things that they do with their tools, which if you don't know about it, please watch Frankenskies. The Frankenskies starts off 1920s, goes to the historical chronological timeline and shows everything, right? I mean, from the military footage. Yeah. It's not even, yeah. Well, this is, so, why, this is why now I'm not, calling you out and challenging you to prove any of this. Again, some of the some of the listening audience will be saying, Richie, he's making some outlandish claims there about heat waves being caused by 
by by machinery and 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 by you know geoengineering people uh, call them out look go and watch the film uh, it's all laid out there it's a brilliantly put together film make your own mind up i won't tell you what to believe or what to think neither will matt but the evidence that he uh, the evidence to back up what he has just told you is is in his film and uh, go and watch it frankenskiesthemovie.com go and watch it and support uh, filmmakers like Matt sorry Matt for jumping in but there would be some people saying Richie because I like a good argument as uh, as you know uh, so I, you know jump jump on him Richie but no there's no need to I've seen the evidence as well go ahead and thank you Richie and yeah it, people need that a lot of people do they need that the the film Frankenskies even if you just watch the first 20-30 minutes it's, it's jaw-dropping. By the time the chronological movie gets to the 1940s and 50s and 60s, it's self-evident that the tools exist. Whether or not they're being used now is up to us to decide with our own logic and intuition and minds and everything. And you can pretty much not listen to the mainstream narrative because they're not going to tell you what the facts are. But what is what the mainstream narrative is saying is that geoengineering is a new thing, a new word, a new concept. And it is the spraying of chemicals in the sky that look just like chemtrails, what we call chemtrails. And the proponents of geoengineering will even use photos of chemtrails and say, this is a hypothetical, you know, where they're getting the photos from, if it's a hypothetical, is mind boggling. But people just eat it up, you know, like that nowadays, I think it's kind of just a, a test of people's intuition, whether or not they want to just uh, take yeah. truth as the authority or take authority as the truth. There's two things. Truth is the authority or authority is the truth being told how to think, how to feel, what to think, what to feel, or f- feeling it out for yourself, you know, which we've always been able to do. But now this new term geoengineering is the spraying of chemicals in the sky to create an artificial cloud layer to dim the, the amount of sunlight that we get. This is brazen, they, isn't it? You, you made a brilliant point a moment ago. This is brazen. This is their way of getting away with the fact that they've been doing it for decades. It's, it's, it's astonishingly mendacious, this. They've been doing it forever. It's caused chaos. Ecosystem chaos. It's caused chaos with people's lives. It's given people serious illnesses and all of that. And now they're talking about it like it's a brand new thing. This is really important, Matt. Well, it is, and it involves every single person on Earth. I'd, I'd like to speak to someone who doesn't breathe air, yeah, because we all do. And, and during this conversation that you and I are having, we're all going to breathe some air, and we all are impacted by the sunlight. And if this very small group of people wants to dictate who gets sunlight and who does not, it's not going to end up okay. It's very textbook Hegelian dialectic, problem, reaction, solution, where, like you said, they wreak havoc. And then they say they've got a solution. Well, it's the same tool that they use to make the problem to begin with, you know, and people are just in the space of fear and they don't know what to think and they're not scientists and they just pass the buck on. I've been doing a lot of research recently in the past, um, like past books and books from the past and whatnot. And this Edward Bernays just keeps coming up for me. And it, it seems like that the manipulation of the mind of the public is so important right now because really we're being turned on ourselves. They, like, not, there's a war, a spiritual battle it seems, and it's unraveling right before our eyes, but it's not gonna be necessarily the troops on the ground, it's the people being turned on on each other, right? You know, who's gonna be dictating who has the, 
the vaccine tattoo or yeah, whatever it's yeah. going to end up being. It's going to be our peers, right? So it's the manipulation of the minds of the public and how well they're brainwashed, essentially. And it's just fascinating to see how Edward Bernays was able to say, trust the specialist. That was, that was a term he created. He did, didn't he? Yeah. And, he, yep. yeah. and then he got doctors to wear white coats, you know, to kind of put that, give them that like authoritative, I don't even know, power grab or whatever. But in the end, we have to be able to learn how to think for ourselves. And I think that there is a, a reckoning happening where the truth is, is coming to light. I don't know how it is over there. It's, it's efficient. It's everywhere. It's, it's so different. It's such a, what a mess we're in. It's hey, not Richie, great. What do you think? It's not <laughs> great at the moment, Matt. I'll tell you that. For those who are hearing Edward Bernays' name for the first time, you could argue, uh, very good of, of Matt to bring him up, you could argue that Bernays is the father of what we know to be propaganda uh, today. Um, he, 19th century, wasn't he? 19th, early 20th century. You need to know about Bernays. Very, very, absolutely apt that you bring him up. Matt Landman is our guest. Matt is an activist. He is a manufacturer of clothing which repels the negative effects of EMFs. We'll talk about that. I don't like to give free advertising to anybody, but this is interesting, so we'll talk about that a bit later on. I say that in jest, of course. Matt, I'll tell you what. I was reading... BBC website this morning. You might say, why the hell would you do that to yourself? Okay. I, I, I do it because I, I need to know what, what they're lying about today in order to dissect it. But the University of Bath was involved in a major study of 10,000 16 to 25-year-olds. Now, I normally do not believe studies, university studies, but this one, I think, is reasonably accurate. You talked about fear and propaganda. More than half, Matt, 56% of the respondents, the 16 to 25-year-olds, believe that humanity is screwed, that basically man-made CO2 is causing global warming and that there's nothing we can do about it and that civil civilization is going to be lost in this century. Now, that is not true. But they believe it. And the fear is genuine. I don't know if you've experienced that yourself, but here I know that the youngsters are terrified, Matt. It's deep, it's deep, deep programming. And I too read the propaganda machine and my, and my friends ask me, what do you do? Why yeah. would you do that? Matt? And I have to know what the brainwashed people out in the world are thinking. I have to know what the um, flip side is saying, and especially when they're talking about geoengineering and this and that. So Bernays was, Edward Bernays was Sigmund Freud's nephew. He was able to convince public municipalities to put fluoride in drinking water. He was able to bring bacon into the American um, breakfast as like a staple. He was hired by the bacon people. He was hired by the tobacco people to make tobacco sexy. He, he the American Dental Association and, and fluoride in him. And he, I mean, if you just see the psychosis, but one thing about the BBC is they oftentimes lie too. So sometimes when I see these surveys, I'm like, are they just telling us what they want us to think that they want us to think that we think that we're screwed. They want us to think that everyone's totally brainwashed because a lot of people out in the world, 
when I'm out there passing out my flyers about chemtrails and Frankenstein's the movie, and I keep it really short and sweet with people nowadays, especially during this um, pandemic or whatever, the the pulse of humanity, a lot of people think and know that it's nonsense, that it's BS. The thing is about the light and the dark is the darkness is stupid. And the more that they show themselves, the more that people start to see the light and see what's really going on. And this big reveal recently with all of the propaganda and the 99.9% survival rate and all of this nonsense, I think people are waking up in mass. And so the propaganda machine is doing their best to convince everyone that no one is waking up. So that's just one thing. But also a lot of people are totally brainwashed and buying this um, global warming thing. They're, They're stuck in fear. So fear is a very powerful frequency. And while in fear, we're very easily susceptible to further manipulation. We're like sponges when we're when we're stuck in that zone. So they get us there with obviously this COVID and everything we've been going through. And then it's like hook, line, and sinker. We can get spoon-fed the rest of it, which is now this geoengineering push, which is really sad. Have you ever seen the movie Snowpiercer? No. They there's there's the, the film and they they made a TV. Uh, series too, didn't they? About the train, about the long train where people have got people. That's the, the last of humanity is living on a train. Is that the one? Yes, exactly. So the film start, and I've been really getting into these predictive programming propaganda pieces for not just entertainment, but for r- literal research. It's unreal nowadays. So this movie is staggering. It starts off with planes spraying chemtrails in the sky, and then it says we we had to spray the skies because global warming was so bad, we had to do something. Humanity needed to dim the sun. So they did it, but it didn't work out. It put us into an ice age and we kept spraying and we went into a deeper ice age and now everybody's dead except for the people on the train because the train can go all fast and make some heat or whatever. But it's like they're showing us right there the potentials, which is complete ecosystem collapse. And they're walking us through it. But because we're in fear, not everyone, That's what's so empowering about the truth is truth is based in love and you can snap out of it and you can see everybody with their masks on, with their eyes darting back and forth and they're scared to death. And if you learn about cortisol and taking care of yourself and health and I mean the facts behind it all, if you learn that it's all nonsense and you can actually laugh at it all. I mean, it's it's like a war zone going to the grocery store, though, brother. It's it's really getting intense where I'm at. So I'm trying to figure out exactly um, what to do and how to do it. But to motivate humanity to come together on the same page of geoengineering or chemtrails is real. And we need to talk about this in a logical fashion and not dim our sun. They're taking us a step in like they're jumping. Like, this is what science does. It's like these um, these premises that they assume are already true, like the scientific community. They say, oh, well, this is true. So now we have to do this. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like it's like because they claim that that global warming is true in the way that they say it, which is anthropogenic, man-made, um, our exhalations of carbon in our cars and whatnot are creating a greenhouse effect. Richie, not anybody even knows what the number one greenhouse gas is. And I, I know I might've said it on your show a couple of years ago, but do you remember? I do remember. Remind us. Water vapor. The number one greenhouse gas is water vapor. So when you see a smokestack, a power plant or whatever, and it's releasing water vapor or there's steam coming off of a lake from a hot day or whatever and clouds are being formed, that creates a greenhouse effect way more than any methane or carbon dioxide or whatever. 
also when you watch the movie Franken Sky, the U.S. Air Force is learning how to manipulate the weather. And what do they use to seed clouds? Dry ice. Dry ice. Which that's is right. which is what? It's frozen carbon dioxide. Frozen they've CO2. Been, yeah. yeah. Yes, they've been dumping CO2 in the atmosphere. It's not even problematic, you know. In my opinion, oh dear. But also, like, let's talk about sea level rise. I've lived at zero sea level on the beach. It hasn't changed. There's nothing changing. There's islands that are having like sand wars and erosion is a real thing. But the, the fear mongering that they claim, I mean, the Al Gore movie, he said that we'd be underwater by now. That's right, you know, by he, now. That's he made, right. He made claims and dates and he promised something that never happened. You know, all the while he's in the movie, Franklin's guys also um, pitching this scenario, talking about it, normalizing it, bringing it to, to the public eye. And they want to create a debate, yes or no, on geoengineering, which ultimately they'll say, well, we have to do it because we're so scared or whatever. But they shouldn't even be to the point of yes or no on geoengineering, which to understand everyone, geoengineering is outfitting thousands of planes and drones and aerosolizing aluminum. They won't tell you right now it's aluminum. They'll tell you that they want to test a bunch of chemicals and they're experimenting with variable sizes of nanoparticulate aluminum. They think aluminum is going to work really well, but they won't tell you it yet. But it's in everyone's hair and blood and in the trees and in the rain and they've been spraying it for decades. And in the bees. And in the bees. And it's a fire fire accelerant, mind you, and it's on on our trees and they can make it rain when when it's burning, but they don't. They just make wind. I mean, there's a lot going on, and that's going to have to get unraveled in Frankenskies 2. I've got frankenskies2.com as well, so if you want updates. and Is that the number updates, two now, or the, or the word two? It's the number two, isn't um, it? It's the number two, yeah. And, Richie, I, through a lot of trials and tribulations, was able to finally buy frankenskies.com. So that's a blessing. It'll just forward you to frankenskiesthemovie.com for now. Because but it's, it's good. New, it's good. It's better. Oh, yeah. It rolls great. off the tongue better. Frankenskies.com. The, mm-hmm. the, 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 the writer, the director of that brilliant documentary, Matt Landman, is live on the line. It's exactly 29 and a half minutes to the top of the hour. This is really important stuff. Uh, I can't uh, say that strongly enough. It's really important. Is COVID the, the appetizer? for the entree, which is climate change, is it? Is everything now going to shift towards, if there is a transhumanist agenda, if there is an agenda to to reset the way we live, to merge us with technology, to bring in a social crediting system, to make the planet a virtual prison, will climate change then be the big vehicle to drive that agenda forward, do you think? I do. I do. I do believe so. And you took the words out of my mouth when you said prison, because the way that we're being trained to put on the mask, take off the mask, get injected with this, do this, lock in your house, do this. They're creating a prison mentality where the population of the world is being told by an authority of some sort, whoever it is, the who, or, and it eventually it'll be, you know, who this crowd, this Klaus guy or something. But they're being told what to do and people are doing what they're told, which is, you know, lock yourself in your house or whatever. Right now it's because of um, the seasonal cold or whatever we want to call it. But eventually I think it'll be because they claim, um, yes, cl- climate change and what have you. And that's part of the, the whole agenda, the smart meters. The smart meters monitor everything that's going on in that house because they're going to make sure you don't leave that house eventually. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean? It's, it's really deep. 
um, and, and layered. And I, I can't stress it enough that it's, it's all coming down the pipe. We have to protest and bring awareness to the GU engineering. So just to finish, what they want to do is spray the skies all at once, all the time, everywhere, and gray out the skies with aluminum, where it'll always be gray, morning, day, and night. And they claim this is going to not create a greenhouse effect. Now, like, use your logical mind. Don't you think aluminum, a layer of metal, would maybe create a greenhouse effect? You know, let's just think about that. Like, they haven't even thought this. I mean, yes, they've thought this through. But they, like, it's just... It's very problematic. So, um, and you know what, Matt? That that heavy metal, you 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 North Americans with your aluminum. Listen, when when you come over here to promote the film, it's aluminium, uh-huh. or you can get on your arse and get the hell back to to North America. We've we I've been having that argument for years with, with my friends on the other side of the pond. No, we'll say aluminum because you're the guest. But you know what, mate? Won't that have and an impact on the soil. You learned so much. You told us earlier on, um, you know, when 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 you worked, it's going to cause abiotic stress, and it's going to cause, you know, the things we need to sustain ourselves. It's going to cause them to collapse and not to grow, isn't it? Well, that's why years ago Monsanto started patenting and creating aluminum-resistant genetics, so Didn't that they, they could, yeah, so they could monopolize that and um, aluminium. It doesn't really roll off the tongue as well, no, but it I'll, I'll, it give it a sh- I'll give it a shot. <laughs> rather, I'll give it a shot. Well, in, in Frankenskies, there's the best of both worlds because I've got Harry Rhodes and Terry Lawton. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They're from Ireland and UK. And Terry's they, a great they guy. Say, yeah. They say aluminum, and I, and I do love them. I got a book recently. Um, I think it's called Conversations with the Aluminum Atom. Aluminum is showing up everywhere, and it is. It's devastating. devastating. It, it, it causes autism. It even pulls... Um, so fluoride comes from the aluminum melting process. So fluoride and aluminum like to bond together and cause chemical reactions in your brain when they're, when they get in your bloodstream together. So those two are toxic together Two chemical reactions in your brain, fluoride and aluminum. So you don't want either of those in your system, but the aluminum, yes, it, it makes the soil, um, overly alkaline, which doesn't seem like bad, but it is, it's, it's, Overly alkaline soil messes everything up. It also disrupts the tree's ability to uptake water. So the trees are embedded with aluminum, which aluminum oxide is a patented fire accelerant, as are the barium salts. So two of the primary chemtrail constituents are fire accelerants. Hence California. Yeah, and Australia. Spain, yeah, southern Spain, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or parts of Spain, I should say. This is, yeah. And they're... I've got to say, by the way, I'm, I'm not here to endorse Matt. I can't say what is true and what isn't true. When Matt says in Frankenskies, and as he continues to say in the work that he's been doing since the film came out, when he says that these programmes are going on, I believe him because I've seen the evidence through him and through one or two other people I've met over the years. So I believe, I'm not telling you to believe it as, as the listener, but I believe it to be true. I believe they are manipulating weather events. I believe they are convincing the children of the world that these events are because of man-made CO2. And my big fear, Matt, is these young men and women, not so young, some of them, but in a few years, Matt, they're going to be running things. In fact, they're going to be running everything. And they will believe this implicitly. They will believe it. They won't be lying. They'll be wrong. 
because you're right, I believe, they won't be lying, which makes them even more dangerous. They will be fervently committed, evangelical, to this agenda. They'll be the mayors, because this will all be done locally, won't it, around the world. They will be the mayors, they will be the mayoresses, they will be the leaders of businesses, of, 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 of local authorities, and then we're in trouble, Matt, because they are convinced of this agenda. Well, they've been guilt-tripped into yeah. thinking that it's their fault that all these horrible things are happening, and they've been shamed. And that's why it's just so much more important now than ever to bring the light to the children. Um, I don't have children of my own, but I do know a lot of children that I'm on the warpath waking them up one at a time. And it involves getting that screen out of their face. These children that are really young, they don't need these devices in their laps, you know, and education on blue light and all these things that the children need. But it's it's so important. And I've, I've thought about this a lot, Richie. There's a few different breeds of children being born right now coming into the world. But one of them is their parents are telling them the whole time that this is nonsense and they see it. They see it just as plain as day, just like you and I. And they're growing up in this weird world where they see the truth like right in their face. They didn't wake up to 9-11 like you and I did or whatever, however your path of truth awakening was or listeners, you know, we've had this like slow and steady, you know, slippery slope to truth. And here we are, we're like really waking up because of this big kick in the face that's COVID. But these children are growing up in it. They're going to be the warriors that we need so bad to bring the human race to another level. I firmly believe. And yes, there's a whole layer of people that are being completely programmed. The parents, the parents are buying it. The parents are making the kids wear masks, you know, and they're convincing the kids to lather up in freaking hand sanitizer and disrupting their hormones and, and putting a, a 5G phone in their lap when they're totally young and getting them totally conditioned and brainwashed into becoming transhumanists, I guess, because that's ultimately where it's going. I see the agenda, you know, full scale. When, when they told all the kids they had to stay at home and the radiation started getting cranked up. It, it was self-evident to me that it was a transhumanist agenda. I've got to say, Richie, there's one thing that I want to talk about. When all of this started happening, so I make these phone bags, these Faraday phone bags. Um, I make everything silver lined. So I do baby blankets and baby stuff and adult hoodies and adult blankets and adult men's underwear and baby stuff, especially, and maternity. Um, but also these Faraday bags, okay? So the Faraday phone bag, it's a silver bag, and you put your phone in it, right? And it just doesn't work inside. It's a Faraday named after Michael Faraday. Um, it, it, you don't have any tracking, no reception, nothing. And people like it a lot recently because of the COVID track and trace that happens like all the time. They're just like tracing people, taking away their rights. It, to me, it's a privacy violation. So what was amazing, Richie, is I've been, I've been at it for a few years selling these phone bags. Last year, it was March of 2020, people started contacting me, Richie, from all over the world my phone bags stopped working, okay? And people were really happy with the product, and then all of a sudden, the phone bags stopped working. The phones are just ringing through these bags. And so I did not know what was going on. And, and um, I ended up, like, not knowing what to do. And I contacted my supplier, and they were confused because they'd been selling these phone bags for another decade themselves. And so we eventually came to the conclusion with talking to my consumers, talking to my suppliers, and freaking out that we had to basically double line the bags. So I did that. 
The bags are now two layers of this silver fabric, which the original one layer of silver fabric was amazing. It worked forever to kill any phone, like nothing worked. But now it's two layers. The two layers are amazing. And you put your phone in, it doesn't work. And it showcases the silver. Silver's cool. It works. Yada, yada. But what happened there, Richie? What the fuck? Sorry. No, you're sorry. okay. Don't worry about swearing. Okay. Don't worry. Not on this program anyway. You're okay. okay. So what was it then? It's 5G yeah. then, presumably. Yes. So the smartphones, even like the iPhone 8 and stuff, they're being ramped up to be on this new spectrum to be able to propagate a 5G wave. So the 5G wave is different. It gets pushed around by this Internet of Things kind of uh, smart grid, including the phones, including the smart meters, and it pushes around the signal. It's a really strong signal. The signal was so, so strong that it was penetrating the phone bags. So I think that these symptoms that people were getting that match identical to symptoms of radiation sickness, brother, loss of taste, that's a radiation sickness symptom. Loss of taste has never been a symptom of a virus. It never was, it never will be. All of these things were, I think, um, radiation sickness symptoms. And I've read this book recently, Arthur Furstenberg's Invisible Rainbow, and it kind of corroborates my story. And I don't even say these things without really thinking it through. Like I've been analyzing it and researching it. And after a year of really getting nitty gritty with it, I think I can come to the conclusion. I know about correlation and causation. And I don't think that this is just some random correlation. I really do think that the radiation levels were cranked up on a lot of phones to be able to propagate all this 5G tech. There was also, um, this claim that all of these activists attacked 77, which is a, a total, a key number in the numerology, like um, Freemason thing, but the, an occult number. So 77 towers were burned down in the UK. I don't think that that actually even happened. I think that that was like a psyop to make everyone think that that people who thought 5G was a problem were, were nuts. crazy. We're not, yeah. Not and you know, and... I believe you when you tell me that you have given great thought to this before saying it out loud because you're smart and you know that for for the majority of people, I don't mean listening now, but for the majority of people in in, in society, once they hear any mention of COVID symptoms with 5G because of what they hear on television day in and day out, when they hear that, they immediately think, well, you're just an idiot. I don't mean you, Matt, but anybody who says that. But look, what I will say on that is, I don't know if you're right, but I think you are absolutely right to throw it out there. Dr. Chris Busby will be back on this programme next week or the week after. There isn't a, in, in my opinion, I should say in my opinion, there isn't a greater authority on the impact of non-ionising radiation on our bodies than Chris Busby. He's a genuine whistleblower, a genuine scientist and a decent man. And Chris told me before COVID that, amazingly, that exposure to 5G would do the things that you just discussed. It would do those things to people. It would disorientate them. It would make them sick. It would play havoc with their senses. He said all of this. And this guy's, you know, legitimate. And so I don't think you're going off down a rabbit hole by mentioning it. I don't think that at all. I do remember, by the way, that New York City emergency room doctor who said that by ventilating COVID patients, you were killing them. And he said because, he, he, he said altitude sickness, but I'm pretty sure he said that the symptoms are something a bit like radiation sickness as well. 
way back, uh, you know, in, in April or May of last year. So I think you're right to throw it out there. It's, it, and you know something I discovered recently? I was arguing with a doctor on the programme who was um, running down 5G. And of course, it's my job to play devil's advocate in a nice way. So I said to the doctor, look, you know, most people will be happy with 5G because it increases their download speeds. And the doctor said, Richie, that's bullshit. It doesn't. And I said, it does. It does. You, you download things quicker. Anyway, I did my own experiments, uh, Matt. And the doctor was right. It's useless. So then the next question becomes, well, why the need for 5G then? If it doesn't increase connectivity and speed up your downloading through your phone and through your uh, tablets. But the doctor, I found this to be amazing, was right. It, it's not quicker. It isn't. Well, I would, I would imagine that once the all of the infrastructure is in place and everybody's phone is on the network, that, I mean, I'm not a proponent of it whatsoever. No, I know, I know, yeah. But I would imagine once everything is put together. Well, well here's the thing, Richie. What's 5G? There's, there's, I've got five telecom companies in my country calling things 5G that are not 5G. You can call anything 5G. You can call a toaster oven 5G. The, the 5G technology is kind of like, it's a vague term, you know, some there's, there's mid band, low band, high band 5G. I did some research on it. So the, the thing that we're really afraid of is this high band 5G that's propagating a carrier wave that's in millimeters, like between one and eight or 10 millimeters in size. And that needs an infrastructure of small cells every 500 feet. And as far as I can tell, Verizon is the only one really rolling this out and they're doing it in in LA or something. But the, I've, I've found out that the telecom agencies have a have more money, a bigger budget than big pharma. Okay. And they're nefarious. I mean, let's be real. Like they, they put cell towers up at elementary schools knowing that there's going to be problems. I mean, if you, if you trust telecom, I don't know what to say, but just if you're, if you're um, giving, if you're humoring the concept of this, of the 5G making people potentially sick because what would happen if you're exposed to radiation from your phone of a lot more than you're used to? Your body would adjust over time. So you would show symptoms like brain fog or whatever and then your body would adjust. And then even though you're next to it, you'd be, you'd be fine because that's what your body does. So what an amazing smoke screen all of this COVID would be for the rollout of all of this increase in electromagnetic radiation. Otherwise, people yeah. would have people would have been calling it out. People would have been saying, oh, I, I don't agree with this, or oh, and, and maybe the launch of 5G worldwide would not have um, been able to take foot because people would have been saying, oh, actually, this is giving me, you know, brain fog or heart palpitation made me sick, and, you know, so I think, I think that it's very um, likely. How do you spell Bose, Chris Bosby, B-O-S-B-Y? That's right, B-U-S-B-Y, yeah, Chris, yeah. Um, definitely someone to chat with, Matt. No, no doubt about that. Look, you're, you're, you're absolutely right to bring this up. And it's plausible. It's absolutely plausible. I've never shied away from talking about it. Um, I've just made the point that it isn't something that, you know, it, it is, is easy to prove. But there's a lot of circumstantial evidence around the 
COVID symptoms and what 5G technology is capable. Excuse me, oh God, I've never done that before. Um, just, just drinking some water there. Um, I've never um, shied away from talking about that. Absolutely uh, possible. And when you get a guy like Busby saying, yes, look, this is, is, what, is what might happen, it, 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 it might be possible. And can I ask you this? Because we've got about like eight, nine minutes left on, on the programme. It's flying by as usual. Um, you mentioned there about the putting the... Uh, putting the aluminum in the air, which they're doing and they have been doing for years, will the presence of those particles will will that better enable them to do what they want to do with five G? Well, it's all connected, and yeah, and exactly. Yes, it's all it's all connected, and you're right. It's like this um, octopus of tentacles or this umbrella of of evil. It's just like how truth is a frequency, and on that truth vibration, you start learning all these things about health. Um, this is a great opportunity to plug my website, actualactivists, plural, actualactivists.com. I have a daily blog on there, but also it's a one-stop shop resource for truth. There's an amazing uh, resource section on health, on 5G, chemtrails, fluoride, GMO foods. You know, all these things are, are interconnected. It's so important to, to treat your body as good as you can while we enter into this more pervasive world. But yes, just like you put aluminum in the microwave, if they, the one thing about the geoengineering is they can't get the um, aerosolized particulates to stick in the atmosphere. That's their biggest problem. So when they, um, when they talk about the sulfur, they, they want to spray sulfur uh, and mimic a volcano. Like that would accurately mimic a volcano by spraying sulfur in the atmosphere. But it globs up and it falls out of the sky and it actually um, wreaks havoc on making acid rain and like it, it kills people is what they're joking about on um, the Ellen show with Al Gore. But the, they've said that they want to um, spray mirrors, but mirrors won't float. They say they want to spray diamond dust, but diamond dust is expensive. Ultimately, what they want to do is spray nanoparticulate aluminum and zap them with a, a whole network of ground stations, microwave antennas, 5G, you know, and elevate those um, particles. But they'll be elevated at ground level and the connectivity of 5G will be super fast because it'll be air mixed with aluminum and that's super conductive, right? That makes sense, the problem, yeah. the problem with 5G is it's, it doesn't make any sense as a communications like carrier wave because the real 5G, the small carrier wave and measured in millimeters, it doesn't go very far at all. So to understand this really briefly is we, we carry data on light. It's just light we can't see, but it's still light. Same properties of light travels at 186,000 miles per second. And so AM radio waves are light that we carry data on, but those radio waves are huge and they can travel a great distance. There's like 100 feet tall. FM radio waves are 10 feet tall, but they can still go really far. Wi-Fi is like 30 centimeters. It's like one foot. And it modulates and it can go through brick walls and it can't go that far, but the 5G is just so small, but b b because it's so small, it can um, have a lot of um, oscillations per second and they can carry a lot of data on it. But because it's so small, it can't go very far at all. So they're going to have to make everything integrated, smart meters everywhere, small cell antennas everywhere, aluminized sky, and maybe even aluminized us, which is kind of weird when people start talking about graphene and all this other stuff and, and what have you. Um, I'd really like it if people can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram's slowly building. It's Sparrow Gear, S-P-E-R-O Gear. Oh, and by the way, Sparrow is a Latin word for hope. Um, in Italian, it's 
Spanish, it's I hope, because the, the goal for the company is to bring hope to the next generation so that they can, the next generation can reproduce and be happy and healthy and have reproductive, healthy organs and whatnot. Let me mention the website. Let, yeah. let, let me mention the clothing website. I, I wouldn't allow anybody else to do this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a plug. You deserve it. It's sparrowprotectionclothing.com. S-P-E-R-O, sparrowprotectionclothing.com. Okay, uh, Matt's the global leader in providing EMF protection through clothes. So do check it out. I wanted to ask you a couple of quick questions before time evaporates on us it's, it's been great catching up with you again mate. I, I love having you on you're you're absolutely honest uh, I again I, there will be those who say I shouldn't endorse you I'm not endorsing what you're saying I'm endorsing you I know you believe it and I saw frankenskies.com I saw the film frankenskies it's on frankenskies.com and um, you didn't put a foot wrong in it in presenting the evidence that's already out there you did a great job in it when can we expect Frankenskies too to be, to be to be available to uh, to purchase and watch, and people should purchase it when it becomes available. When will it be out? Uh, thanks for asking, and I appreciate the support and the compliments. And really, like the best thing about the clothing line is that it brings to awareness that there's EMF radiation all around us, and that maybe we can protect ourselves, and that we can. It's an empowering, inspiring thing to know that we're not just victims. So Frankenskies 2, I would like to have the film show us stopping them in Sweden, you know. And so in June in Sweden, with the controlled opposition of Greta Thunberg, the, the opposition to the experiment is Greta. And she says that Sweden needs to come together and have governance so there needs to be a governing body behind like who sprays where and when and what have you. But it's all controlled. So I would, I would like to have the movie out in about a year. It's coming together, but there's so much stuff happening right before our eyes unraveling right in front of us. You know, are they going to launch geoengineering with this experiment? Are the fires going to, you know, all of these things that are happening right before our eyes. And then at the same exact time, I saw that Dubai is using... Um, drones and lasers to make rain publicly. Yeah. So is Russia. So is Russia. They're normalizing the launch of their um, weather engineering. Um, but over here, we're just totally smoked out and I can't hardly breathe. I mean, we've had um, like 40 out of 50 days of toxic smoky air where I'm at, but especially California is on fire and the public needs to understand that these fires can just be put out with engineered rain. We can literally If they see, wanted to do it. Yeah. yeah, if they wanted to do it. So all of that is going to be in the film, but I'd like to end it on a high note. But if there's, I mean, if there's not any resolution, then I'll have to have like a, a, a firm um, deadline. So we're not there yet. I'd love to um, talk to you more about it when I, when I have like an amazing trailer and some, and if you have any suggestions on people to interview, I'm trying to make it positive and not gloom and doom. And a lot of people that I end up um, coming into contact with are like CIA agents pretending to be oh, activists. Yeah, and then, yeah, and yeah, then they're yeah. really doom and gloom and fear-based. And I'm not trying to go there with the fear. I'm, I'm trying to show the empowering potentials of how we well, can Well, I love that. I, I, lo yeah. I love that as a concept. Folks can go to actualactivists, plural, actualactivists.com. Go to sparrowprotectionclothing.com. Matt is on 
Facebook as well. If you put Matt Landman in, you'll find him, follow him. He's on Twitter as well. Listen, of course, when you're ready to drop the trailer, as you movie people say, obviously mm. you'll, you'll be welcome to come back on with me and talk more about it, Matt. Um, I'd be delighted to have you back on. We're pretty much just out of time now. In 30 seconds, if you can, um, you've become very well-known and very well-liked because of your very mild-mannered, inclusive approach to the subject, and you're not dogmatic. So people are always looking out for you and wondering, are you okay yourself? These are heavy topics to be discussing. How are you doing, my friend, if, if you can tell me in 30 seconds? Um, I'm doing amazing, and I'm also not so great. I've got a bulged disc, and I'm in a lot of pain, but I know that God or the universe just wants to show me that I'm a warrior and that um, pain is not real and that we can get through this. But everything's, look, look, healers, they have to heal first. So I'm learning all these things and I'm, I'm coming out of it. I'm, I'm blessed. I'm amazing. I'm, I'm very happy, but also it's a, a very trying time. So thank you so much for asking, brother. How about you? How are you? Hanging in there. I had a, a wobble last year, late last year, when I was very close to doing something else. And, and giving up the the uh, the radio show, but it didn't last too long, and uh, so you just kind of you kind of you kind of play on. But uh, but thank yeah. you for asking, Matt. You're welcome back here any time. Don't wait to be invited, Matt. Uh, I, I mean that. Godspeed to you and uh, your colleagues in the production. Uh, you know the planning out of Frankenskies too. I can't wait uh, to see it. You're uh, you're you're a gift to the independent media. Look after yourself, my friend. Come back anytime you want. Thank you, Rishi, and thank you for um, keeping up the the torch. We we need to be able to pass the next generation a torch that is a flame and burning, so that they can keep it alive. And ha- handing them some wet stick is not going to be what we want to do. So we need everybody that we can have spreading that truth. And you're such an important figure, and I've always looked up to you. Thank you, and bless you, and have a nice day. Thank you, Matt. You too. Lovely of you to say that. Matt Landman, folks, actualactivists.com, frankenskies.com, and sparrowprotectionclothing.com. That has been Tuesday's Richie Allen radio show. Thanks for listening to it. Back with you tomorrow, the seventh birthday show. It's no big deal. It's seven years, but it's, it's flown by, really. It has. It's a bit mad the things have happened in seven years. Listen, I'm playing a song to close out the programme. I did play it during yesterday's show. It's a song that I need in my life now. I'm not being lazy. I just want to hear it again. All right. So bear with me. See you tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Tuesday.